says hey man you know you're like well how can you let this happen lord i thought you love i need to know i need you to know that this friendship is real so this is i'm allowing this to happen in your life i need you to understand that i want to see that are you going to be with me through thick and thin i need you to understand that because you know god knows everything right so he knows what you're going to do but it's for our benefits it's for our benefit so when we look back one day we can say man we went through this tough time right over there i remember that i can see how like i was hurt but I made it through that. mistake to assume that because God loves us that he will shelter and protect us from all hardship. As we look back at the history of Christianity, at the thousands who have given their lives for the sake of the gospel, it becomes apparent that the life of a believer is often the complete opposite of sheltered. We will be tested as we live out our faith. Satan will target us and God will allow it because he knows it can make us stronger. As Pastor Mark encourages us in today's message, instead of moping around wondering why the world is out to get us, we need to demonstrate the joy and hope of fully relying on Christ. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18 with today's edition of Come Alive. There's a saying that goes like this. I went to church to find a friend and I found none. But I went to church to be a friend and I got many. And that's a very, very true statement when you think about it. If you go to church to find a friend, you're going to find none if you think it's all about you. And so You know, people, if your motivation for friendship is self-centered, you're not going to be a good friend for very long. And so if your motivation for anything that you do is very self-centered, well, it's not going to be good for very long. You're going to tire of that thing. So in the ancient of days, friendship was very important when you think about it. There wasn't a tire shop on every corner. So if your chariot got a flat, you would have to pretty much go to a friend's house, and he would help you with that. He would take that wheel off. You probably would take it to a blacksmith or somebody that sold those wheels, and you would have to take that friend to go with you and to help you carry that heavy wheel back and forth or even just roll it. If maybe you got sick, you would have a friend bring you a homeopathic remedy over to your house. If you needed advice on a legal issue, you would go to a friend because there wasn't a lot of attorneys or lawyers. So if someone put a hit out on your life... You could count on that friend to help hide you or to get you info of what's happening next. And we kind of see this now as we move into chapter 18 of 1 Samuel with David and Jonathan. We see a friendship developing. And you're going to see the difference between Saul's treatment of David and his son Jonathan's treatment of David. You're going to see where self-centeredness and self-pride comes in compared to, well, denial of self. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul... The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. And so when Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And when you see this, Saul should have responded the same way to David. But he couldn't because he was out of fellowship with God. Saul was out of fellowship with God, and we've talked about that the last couple of weeks. When we're out of fellowship with God, it's kind of hard 
to have friends that are walking with the Lord be around you. Because what happens is when we're out of fellowship with God, we tend to hide from the light. And we're called as Christians to be light. So if you're a true Christian and your friend is out of fellowship with God, then he's probably not going to want to hang out with you a lot. Or you're not going to want to hang out with him. Because what happens is you're trying to hide from those things of God. And if, again, we're real Christians, we're taking a stand for the things of God. We're talking about God. We're hanging out in his word in the morning and sharing that with the people that, well, that are close to us, our friends and our family, and we need to be bold to do that. And so when someone's not living for Christ and you got a friend that is living for Christ, you tend not to want to hang out with them. You tend to run away from those things. So we see some things that Jonathan and David had in common coming up. They both had a very prevailing faith. They were men after their own hearts. Basically, they were, they were warriors, they were willing to fight and have faith that the Lord was going to get them through it. But David's faith seems to have surpassed Jonathan's. You know, I think about this a little bit, and I was like, well, you know, you're right. We, we read about how Jonathan was this great guy, but where was he during the David and Goliath, or during Goliath's tirade out there in the middle of this valley? Where was he? Why didn't he step up? I mean, he did a great job the previous chapter of going after 30,000 Philistines, him and an armor bearer. So where was he at this? And some people say, well, you know what, it wasn't for, for Jonathan to do that. It wasn't God's call for Jonathan. And that may very well be true, but yet I still think it has something to do with faith. And it seems that David's faith had surpassed Jonathan's because, again, where was Jonathan? You know, it seems that where Jonathan had shrunk, David had basically dared. And so no jealousy is found here. You, you would think that there would be a little bit being two warriors and David going out there just with a sling and a, and a stick and a couple of rocks, defeating a giant and then taking his head and walking around and parading it and saying, look what I've done, but not in a boastful way, just kind of carrying it as a trophy. And so no jealousy is found in these verses. And if you can picture the smile on Jonathan's face as he high-fives David. He, David's in talking to Saul, the king, Jonathan's dad, and then they come out. And Jonathan probably just sat there and was probably like, bro, that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I mean, the way you just hit that giant in the head with a rock. And then to add insult to injury, you went ahead and took his head with his own sword. I mean, bro, that was awesome. So you could just see that high five, that giving of that warm bro hug. And so there's no jealousy. So they make a covenant. Basically, this covenant says, I'm going to be your friend in the good times and in the bad times. Anybody got a good friend, a best friend, that sometimes they just kind of rub you wrong because they care? Maybe they get in your face. They get up in your grill a little bit. And they're like, hey, man, you're just blowing it. You're not doing the right thing. And the only reason I'm telling you this is because I care. If I didn't care, well, I wouldn't say anything. And so here's this good friendship. It says, for you and I to go into a friendship with, with a, an intention to be best friends. And not only best friends, but here's the deal, David. I'm going to show you I'm going to be your best friend, your BFF, your best friend for life. And so this friendship here. So you know what? I'm going to be your friend in the good times and the bad times. So for you and I to go into a friendship with someone and think that there's going to never be tension, there's never going to be problems, that's foolish. And if you go into a friendship with someone and there is no tension and there's no hard times, well, I would probably start to question that friendship. I mean, not everything's perfect. So if, if you're thinking, 
If you're thinking it's a perfect friendship where there's maybe no disagreement and one person is just, you know, oh, yeah, you're always right. You got one yes man and one that just always bossing around. So if there's none of those areas, no areas of disagreement, then one or both people are liars or not close at all. They're not really as good of friends as they think they are. So this relationship here, it happens naturally. We see that it happens very naturally. Look at verse 4 with me. It says, And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow, um, and his bow and his belt. And so David went out wherever Saul had sent him. So here we see, you know, you might ask, well, what's going on here? Why, why would Jonathan take off all this stuff? Why, you know, to, to give David, you know, his robe and then his armor and then his sword and his bow and his belt. Why is David doing that? And so think about this. If your dad were a king, and let's just kind of preface it with this. If your dad were the king and you were his son, you would automatically be in line. You would be the heir to the throne, right? That would be yours. But here, that's not what we see. We here see that Jonathan's taking off all these, these garments, this royalty stuff that says, I'm the prince. And he's given it to David. Jonathan, being the heir to the throne, recognizes that God's hand is upon David. He sees that God's hand's on, uh, upon David. What about you and I? Maybe we have somebody close to our life in our, in, our, in our relationships. And we see that God's hand is upon that person. Can we and, and will we be willing to submit to them sometimes and say, Hey man, you know, I know you're the one. Hey, you're the bomb. And so Jonathan sees that. And if you have a friend that you see that in, it's good for you to encourage that person. And so here, this action says to David, bro, when I'm with you, I'm not going to play the king's kid. I'm not going to lord anything over you. I'm not going to stand taller than you and demand any kind of a right. I'm just going to be your best friend. And I'm stripping myself of that status and who I am. And hopefully you're doing the same thing. So they strip themselves of those statuses as to who they are just so they could be friends, so they can be best friends. And so this is important. See, Jonathan makes himself very vulnerable at this point in time. He just meets David. He sees what David does. And it's kind of like they have this connection. Their heart connects and they're like, hey, man, oh, I like you. Anybody ever had a friend like that where you just walk up and you meet him for a little while and you're just like, man, that's, that's the guy. I know we're going to be best buddies for a long time. And so, you know, you see that same thing here. And it's the same thing. I have a, a good friend that's like that. The first time I met this person, I was like, man, me and him connected. We got to hang out this week. Um, and it, and uh, he's, he's in another state. And one of the first times he and I ever uh, met with each other, it was like we just had a connection. We just had this really good friendship. And so... You know, he's been gone for a little while and some stuff in his life has happened where I had to get on to him and say, hey, man, you're just really blowing it in this area. There's a, I, I see a source of pride and, you know, I want to just tell you that I love you so much that I don't want this to hinder you or, or cause any downfalls in your ministry. So, you know, I, I want to I let you know, I want to warn you, this is what I see. Now, I could be wrong, but I, I feel that this is of the Lord and give him some verses. There have been times where he's like, man, I don't, I don't agree and it's, it's been heated. And we've said, hey, you know what? I love you. Uh, I'll call you later. You know, think about it. And I'll pray about it. You pray about it. And I'll call you later. Hang up the phone. And we hung out. The first time I saw him, we just hugged. And it was like we picked up right where we left off. Not in an argument, but in good times and hanging out. And so we got to do some stuff together. And then other friends. I've had other friends recently that 
I've met, and, and we connect. And I love them, and I, and I care enough for them, and I love them enough to say, hey, this is how you're blowing it. Let me give you some advice. Here's what the Bible says about that. You may not want to hear it, but it's not me. It's just what I read. It may be for you. Maybe the Lord has something for you. So it's important that we see that Jonathan makes himself vulnerable. Sometimes we've got to be vulnerable. We've got to strip off the pride the things that we protect ourselves with and say, hey, I'm willing to come to you and just be a real friend, even if it means you getting mad at me, even if it means you calling me names or making fun of me, I'm willing to do that. And so here there's a sense of no matter what happens, I'm not going to lord anything over you. No matter what happens, I want to be your friend, and in no way am I trying to be superior to you. I just want to be your equal. So the son of a king honors the son of a shepherd. That's what we see here. The son of a king honors the son of a shepherd. If you're taking notes, write this down. Every friendship relationship will be tested. Every friendship relationship will be tested. Whether it's a friendship here on earth or it's the friendship that you have with the Lord. They're always going to be tested. And so you get saved, so to speak, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to a Bible study and you got your Bible and life's going really good. You're excited that you found Jesus or he found you, not that Jesus was lost. And, and you're walking with the Lord and a couple of weeks in and all of a sudden, bam, you just get slammed. There's opposition. And all of a sudden, something happens to take you away. And so that friendship gets tested. Jesus says, hey, man, you know, you're like, well, how can you let this happen, Lord? I thought you loved, I need to know. I need you to know that this friendship is real. So this is, I'm allowing this to happen in your life. I need you to understand that I want to see that. Are you going to be with me through thick and thin? I need you to understand that because, you know, God knows everything, right? So he knows what you're going to do. But it's for our benefits. It's for our benefits. So when we look back one day, we can say, man, we went through this tough time right over there. I remember that. I can see how like I was hurting, but I made it through that. And that helps you get through the next one. Remember we talked about David. He, he recalls a lion and a bear, and he wasn't afraid of the Goliath, the giant, because of well, what God had done in his past to get him through that tough time. And so, again, you know, there's that friendship, and it's always going to be tested. Look at verse 5. It says, So David went out wherever Saul had sent him and behaved wisely. Now, let's stop right there. Behaved wisely. Uh, there's the opposite of behaving foolishly. And so sometimes, you know, we, we get these promotions and we start to behave foolishly. We start to do strange things or acting in strange ways and living in a, in a manner that it's not worthy of the Lord. And so it says, David behaved wisely and Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And so, verse 6, Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the the women sang as they danced and they said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Think about this. So so Saul eyed David from that day forward. So think about this. Saul Saul loses. Samuel came and said, hey, man, there's going to be another king. You blew it. You know, the, the, the Holy Spirit has left you. So David has moved up from a shepherd, from a delivery boy, so to speak, to head of the men of war. I mean, what a promotion. 
He's out there taking care of sheep, and he's bringing some cheese and bread to his brothers, kills a giant, and then he gets this huge promotion. So this song, back in the day in the top ten of, of Jerusalem here, was Saul has slain his thousands. He really loved that first line, but then he heard the second line, and he didn't like it so much. Even though David, the man after God's own heart, had behaved in a very humble manner, he outdid Saul in the Valley of Elah. And he was anointed with a horn of oil instead of just a little trickle of oil. And yet, he still took a lowly position to Saul. Well, And sometimes when your relationships get tested, well, one of the tests is the success test. Right? The success test. So if you take notes, write that down. One test, success test. What happens to when one person, your best friend, the guy you work alongside of, the person you like at work, gets promoted over you? And you might think you deserve that position, but yet he moves up and you don't. Are you happy for him? Are you that kind of a friend where you're like stoked for that guy that he got a good job? And not that, wow, he got that job, now he could buy me something. But you're just excited for the guy that he got the promotion. Because wouldn't you want him to be happy and excited for you? And sometimes we tend to look at everyone else and what everyone else has. And when we see them moving up and we're not moving at all, well, we get a little bothered. Wow, well, why is that happening to them? I, I, why? why? I, I don't get it. So this is a success test. What happens is one sees the other succeed, and so a comparison or a contrast begins to take place. A comparison or a contrast begins to take place in the success test. You can see a direct opposite in the way Saul and Jonathan treat people. Saul's eye is on himself. And so Jonathan is willing to deny his dynastic right to being the king, being the heir, the position of a king, and he gives David his royal stuff. Basically, he gives David the shirt off of his back. And so one day Saul hears the people singing about David and the success in David's life and and, and no doing of David's own. I mean, when you think about it, David didn't do this on his own. I mean, he just had faith, faith enough to stand in front of a giant and say, Man, the Lord can prevail. And so this is what happens. When someone around you begins to succeed, who are you? Saul or Jonathan? Are you excited and happy? Or are you, well, are you eyeing them? Only waiting for them to mess up. To say, oh man, that guy can't do it. I knew he wouldn't be able to do it. And so are you the only one who should be allowed to succeed and stand at the top of the heap? Can you be happy for the guy who gets the promotion or the new house? And while you stay where you're at. And that's very important for us to think about. Can you be that person? I mean, where is, your, where is your focus? Or do you want to exalt and glorify God where you're at? Are we content, right? Are we happy where we're at? Are we? I mean, do, and, and you got to think about it because sometimes I hear a lot of people say, man, you know, I'm trying to get this and I want to do this and I want to do that. And then they don't get it. They go after it, they don't get it, and then they get a little upset with God. Well, what's God trying to say, Mark? Maybe God's trying to say, you don't need that. Well, no, but I want it. For instance, I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and I'd ask, hey, how how are the kids? They're good. They're healthy? Yeah. How about your wife? Healthy. You guys are working? Yeah, working, doing great. But this is what we want, so they're going after this thing. And they get it. They get this big thing. And so now that they got it, the thing that they thought they really wanted, and, well, this guy has to take on a couple other jobs. 
And now he doesn't get to hang out with his family, but, you know, they had everything. When you think about it, a healthy family, they had food on the table. It was just a little smaller pad than what they had. And so now all of a sudden, we got to do all this extra stuff where we can't really hang out with each other. And the big complaint is I don't get to see my family. I hate working. And so it's like, really? So you were good before, but you weren't content. And that happens. We get our eyeballs on the big stuff, and we don't realize how much time it's going to take. We don't really research a whole lot about how far it could remove us from just hanging out with our family, something as simple as that. Because you always hear, well, yeah, I want better for my family. Well, it's better when a mom and dad are always gone, having to try to support the thing that they're chasing. we got to be careful. So Saul hears this song. He loves it until he comes to the second verse. And Jonathan could also say, wait, I've done some cool things too, right? Think about Jonathan. He doesn't say any of this. He's like, well, where's my song in the top ten? Doesn't anyone remember chapter 14? Me and my armor bearer? I deserve a song. I mean, yeah, David is tens of thousands. I could be in that song. I have 30,000 people I chased. But it was all the Lord. So this is the success test. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love does not envy. Right? Real true love does not envy. With any type of promotion, there comes with it the opportunity for pride. So David did not sing this song, nor did he write it. It was just sung about him. And so here there's a lot of people that have an attitude of pride. They think of themselves more than anyone. And so we see this in Saul. He thinks of himself more than anyone. What do I want? How many of us do that throughout the day? What do I want today? Is my chair comfortable enough? Yeah, poor guy over there, he's got to sit on a tin chair, but I got this nice soft one. You know, do we, do we think about people? Do we think about how we can make them more comfortable? You know, we, we read and talked about where Abraham, he was told by God that those, if you, those people who bless you will be blessed, right? And for us as Christians, as God, if he blesses us, then shouldn't we bless others? But yet we sometimes, when we're blessed and we succeed, we tend to bless ourselves. And we hoard it and we hold it. All mine, 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 mine. And so that love test, love doesn't envy. Well, if you're on the other side and you're not the one with the success, are you envious? And then if you do get that, you know, are you blessed? Are you going to be that person that's going to live that godly lifestyle and say, hey, you know what, I've been blessed, I'm going to bless others. So if there's a lot of people that have that attitude of pride, they think more of themselves than anyone. Don't be those people. Talk about what God is doing in your life and, and, and share it in a humble manner. Don't share it if you've been blessed as like, well, yeah, this is what God's done and, and make that person feel bad. Just, you know, talk about how the Lord is doing that. Every book in the Bible holds meaning for us, even in our modern times. In 1 Samuel, for example, Pastor Mark has been teaching us about the power and sovereignty of God. Our Creator does what He needs to in order to accomplish His tasks, regardless of our involvement. How much better would it be, though, if we did step into God's plan for His world? God wants to use each of us to do incredible things for the kingdom. All we need to do is be willing. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from 1 Samuel. And we'd like to encourage you to keep reading ahead. You'll learn a lot as you discover God for yourself. Another good place to hear and study the Word is in a church setting. Here's Tracy with a little more about what being in the body of Christ can mean for you. Joining a church is more than just showing up for a Sunday morning service. 
It's getting to know the people you're worshiping with. As the church body grows together in the love and teaching of God's Word, it will become a powerful and effective witness for Christ within its walls and beyond. If you're near Katy, Texas, we'd love to meet you Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Katy. Visit ComeAliveRadio.com to find out more and get directions. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well to keep up with the latest editions of Come Alive. You can find it on Google Play or iTunes. Thanks for tuning in today to Come Alive.